1: Welcome back to another edition of BetQLU presented by BetQL. And remember to download the BetQL app today and use the promo code Costos. That's K O S T O S, our guy, Nick Costos, or from You Better, You Bet for 20% off any subscription. BetQLU helps you beat the sports books. It assists you, the sports better of all types, from the first time better to hardcore making the more informed betting decisions using data and analytics, BetQL's algorithms analyze over 350,000 unique bets every year in real time to help you get an edge over the sports books get started today at betql.com also available on the apple app store or google play my guy tom casali is back at the tom casali reed wallach is in the house at Reed Wallach on Twitter. I'm Eli Herskovich. We're also going to have John Rothstein, probably the most famous college basketball insider that you know from CBS Sports, going to join us to talk all things college basketball, of course, later in the podcast. Guys, we're probably, what, five months away from college basketball season, four to five months away from college basketball season, but with all this transfer news, with all the, the guys returning over the last couple months, it feels like college basketball is right around the corner.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, it's... uh Normally, at this point of the season, I'm 100% in college football mode, but with all the the transfer portals kind of change that, because this is usually like the lull in college basketball season, but there's been so much huge news lately that it's changed some odds, and if you want to get on things early, now's the time to do it.
3: Yeah, there's no rest uh, for us in the offseason. I mean, all these guys moving places, how does it impact? Early next season, has it impact the future's odds? You know, it, college basketball is becoming a 12-month-a-year sport. So it's exciting, but, you know, you got to keep up with it.
1: No doubt. And let's kind of go through some of these names, some of the big-name transfers that were on the move in the offseason here. Marcus Carr, one of the bigger ones, and he just made his decision last week transferring from Minnesota to Texas, also had a shot to play overseas, I think in Australia. But he decided to go to Texas, Walker Kessler, From UNC to Auburn, Wahab, the the former Georgetown big, goes to Maryland. Remy Martin, who seemingly was at Arizona for 10 years. Arizona State, that is, goes to Kansas. Matt Bradley from Cal goes to San Diego State. Timmy Allen, uh, like Carr, also goes to Texas. James Akinjo, uh, formerly of Georgetown. And then Arizona goes to Baylor. Adam Miller, who spent a couple years, or one year actually, at Illinois, goes to LSU. Trey Mitchell from UMass goes to Texas. And they're loaded in the transfer portal. They also got Christian Bishop from Creighton. Garrison Brooks goes from UNC to Mississippi State. Uh, Jaden Gardner from East Carolina goes to Virginia. Grady from Davidson goes to Kentucky. Myron Jones goes from Penn State to Florida. Oscar Sheboy goes from West Virginia to Kentucky. Kevin O'Banner from that uh, really fun Oral Roberts team with our guy Max Acemas goes from Oral Roberts to Texas Tech. Xavier Johnson from Pitt to Indiana. There are so many names, guys, from a uh, in the transfer portal that was over the last, you know, two to three months now that have a shot to lead their team in the NCAA tournament and can be fun from a betting perspective too, but also increase their team's odds, national title features market in a, in a positive sense. And I hit on a lot of Texas guys, Marcus Carr being the lead. Uh, name there and texas goes from around 45 to 1 i think 45 or 50 to 1 was the the highest price i saw them at down to 12 to 1 pretty much at every major sports book so i kind of want to take this into two parts here because i'm assuming none of us would bet texas at plus 1200 to win the national title but my question is if you go back to the price maybe before they got car right 16 20 to one what do you make of this team overall and their shot to win a national title now with the transfers in place because if you look at the maybe the overall body of work out with virginia and this past national champion especially in baylor uh just looking at those two specifically those guys those teams had players that were in store for three or four years from a chemistry standpoint now texas is getting a lot of talent but not a lot of chemistry, at least right now. So what do you guys make of the Longhorns overall?
2: When I when I look at this Texas team, you know, a few years ago, John Calipari said something that stuck with me about Kentucky. He was joking around. He even said, like, if you're a if you're a better, I'd bet against us early in the season because he's trying to find the right rotation, what players are good at, because they're always so young, right? He always got those freshmen coming in. This Texas team reminds me a little bit of that. Like, they have all this talent coming in, but as you stated, Eli, they haven't played together yet. So I I would look at this team as maybe a fade early on in the season because they're going to be way overvalued, as you mentioned. They're way overvalued to win the national title, in my opinion, right now. But they're going to lose a couple games, and then you're going to start getting a little bit more value on that futures line. So I would hold off on Texas. which you're looking for a team like this, much like Kentucky does, That late January, early February, where they start to peak. So, you know, that's where I think it's going to be a good time to get them. Is late December, early January. My guess is going to be the best price on Texas. What about you, Reid?
3: It's also worth noting they're bringing back Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones. So there are there are some veterans in the fold already, and obviously Chris Beard's coming also. And this team is loaded. And I agree with Tom here. Wait a little bit, fade early. They're going to come on and Texas is going to be in the mix, but not at this price. You got to wait, hopefully get them close to 20 to one. I doubt they go much higher, though, because they're still going to have that name recognition with all these stars. So, again, I'd hold off on Texas at
1: this price. You mentioned uh, Andrew Jones and Courtney Rainey. The, The one thing that concerned me last year, and of course I had a Texas future, so how concerned really was I at the time, but against Abilene Christian, their ball handling really showed up in a, in a negative sense. And we saw that in a couple of matchups against Texas Tech too. Now, Marcus Carr is a solid ball handler. They also got Devin Askew from Kentucky. So we'll see what Chris Beard decides to do from the point guard position. But neither of those guys are great defenders either. So how, do you, how does Chris Beard implement his system with those guards? Maybe Ramey, Jones is a solid defender, but Ramey, Askew, and Carr, especially when you're trying to put pressure on the ball, on that side of the ball. And then I mentioned the the ball handling issues for Texas besides Carr. You could throw Askew in the conversation, along with Ramey and Jones as guys that aren't necessarily super reliable with the ball. So from a chemistry standpoint, I'm a little concerned. But also when it comes to March and kind of what we saw against Abilene Christian, I know Abilene Christian might seem like an anomaly compared to teams that aren't trying to do that at the defensive end. But it is a little concerning to me.
2: Yeah, and you make a good point, and I remember last year when you and I would talk about Texas Tech, and they were still good defensively, but they weren't the lockdown Chris Beard defense with McClung, who was you know, a liability on the defense, yep. as you have pointed out many times. So again, I think this is why you don't want to jump on them too early, because I think you know, Reed mentioned it, like they don't have just a bunch of new players. They have a new coach too, uh, a vastly different coach than the one that was there. So even the returning guys, I think it's going to take him time to to work in that rotation and see which guys he can depend on defensively. But I do agree. I think this is going to be a little bit different than the, the normal Chris Beard team. It's not going to be a lockdown defensive team. They just have too many offensive weapons. Um, but I do expect them to get better defensively throughout the season.
3: Yeah, this will be a a slow process i don't see this like they're jumping on and they're running the table or something this is going to take a while but trey mitchell needs at least a shout out from umass he's their incoming big man he is a stud and i think he's going to take the big 12 by storm so he's a guy i have my eye on early in terms of someone that could take over you know games when they, you play kansas on the road against david mccormick that's a guy to keep an eye on trey mitchell
1: i mean if i'm betting on kansas and texas right now i would take kansas just in turn, or if you want to say which team makes a deeper run in March from a chemistry standpoint, and then you mention McCormick and Mitchell, and I would take McCormick in that matchup, especially defensively, but to your point, I mean, Texas in the front court is pretty loaded with Mitchell, and then they get to from Vanderbilt and Bishop from Creighton, not just offensively, but those guys, Bishop and Bishop mainly, and then to and then probably Mitchell third are all pretty solid rim protectors, so Texas might have a little bit of a liability defending the ball in the backcourt, at least in terms of ball pressure like Chris Beard wants and actually extending it and being successful in that sense. But they have a pretty reliable frontcourt in terms of rim protection. So we hit on Texas there and what we think about the Longhorns and all of us aren't sold on them early, at least from the get-go in a, from a betting perspective, game by game. Let's take a shot at UCLA in the Pac-12 because I know Reed has a a Pac-12 future that he wants to get to. But UCLA was one of the main storylines in March Madness, getting to the Final Four. Now they're plus 1,200 to win the title, so the same exact price as Texas, except they have a lot of chemistry coming back, especially with Johnny Juzang declining uh, his invitation into the draft or uh, not continuing along with it. So Juzang is back at UCLA. They get the big Miles Johnson from Rutgers, who you guys know I love a lot. Uh, you lose Chris Smith. To the draft, Jalen Hill uh, as well. But Juzang's back. Haquez, who I think could have a really explosive junior season. Tiger Campbell is back. Jules Bernard is back. Cody Riley, too. So they have a lot of chemistry. But is this price too low when we think about that run, and especially the Alabama game when Alabama missed 14 free throws and a ton of threes in the Sweet Sixteen?
2: Way too low. And we don't even have to get to Alabama. What about Michigan State? You know, let's say UCLA loses to Michigan State in that game. It it does not impact really this season, right? Like the, the players you mentioned that they have coming back and who they added. But no way are they 12 to 1. So, you know, I think that run in the tournament is really hurting their price right now. And again, listen, UCLA is a good team, but it's not like they're going to be a Gonzaga and run through everybody. So you're going to get a better price at some point. They're going to have a two-game losing streak somewhere along the line. So if you like this team, wait. You know, Reed mentioned on Texas like 20 to 1. To me, that's kind of like the point I look at for these teams that are overvalued. If I can get them around 20 to 1 on a team I like, that's what I'm going to pull the trigger.
3: Yeah. And again, this is what happens when I go third. Tom takes all my points, but um, you know, it, it goes, it's like going from the hunter to the hunted, you know, this UCLA team, they kind of came out of nowhere. They made this great run and they're going to be good again. Cause they're bringing back all this talent, but you could argue this wasn't really a final Four team. a lot of things bounce their way in the tournament, like we mentioned. So 12 to one to me is way, way, way too low. Cause this in reality, isn't a team that is going to dominate the regular season. They're not going to, this isn't like they just are scratching the surface. They probably, you saw their upside right there. And I don't know, I just, 12 to one is way too short. I would go even further than 20 to one because I just think the upside is much lower than a Texas, for example.
1: Right, and we'll get on a team that I really like that lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. And from a price standpoint, if that team had made a run, maybe I wouldn't have it, but at the price that I got it at, I liked it a lot. Now, Reed, I know you have a, a future that you like from a team in the pac 12. Now we, we don't necessarily have, or I don't think any book really has conference title mm. odds yet for college basketball. And we'll save that for once we get closer to the season, but what, what team are you thinking about betting uh, to win the title? Let's out of the pac 12.
3: Well, it's Oregon. I backed them all tournament long when they beat Iowa in the second round. And I know they're losing Chris Duarte, LJ Figueroa, Figueroa, Omarui. They're losing all those guys. But they're bringing back a ton of returning production in Richardson, Eric Williams, Dante, Kepnang, and then they're bringing in a great transfers like Jacob Young from Eli's Rutgers team, Davion Harmon, Gurrier from Syracuse, and a top 10 recruit, 6'11", Nate Biddle. I mean, this Oregon team is loaded, and I'm not super high on the Pac-12 as a whole. Like I said, I'm not super high on UCLA. So I see this Oregon team closer to like a three seed, maybe even a two seed by, you know, the time the tournament comes around and I see my like 45 to one at DraftKings, a little bit further down at other books. That's way too high to meet for a team that's well-coached has a lot coming back and in a conference that they can really build up a resume.
2: Hey, Reed, let me ask you a question real quick. The, you know, you mentioned how they have a lot of incoming players too. Maybe may a mesh issue like some other teams, but also Dana Altman's team seemed to peak later in the season. I, I agree, forty-five to one is a good number, but um, do you think that line will go any higher, or is that a, is that like the cap we're going to get?
3: I'm not too sure because I mean forty-five to one to me seems so, like I can't imagine they're going to drop all the way to sixty to one or something because. I see them as, this isn't like a full rebuild. This is a, you integrate in three solid transfers as opposed to a Texas where you're kind of injecting in a whole new team. So I see it more as a, you're kind of bringing them along. I don't know, 45 to one seems way too low and I'd be willing to just get in now. And maybe if it dips a little bit more and I see Oregon's about to go on a run, add to it. But this is a team that I think could win the Pac-12 you know they might be the best team in the Pac-12 already, and you're getting them 45 to one compared to UCLA's 12 to one.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a good point. They intrigue me a lot, especially in the backcourt, like you mentioned, Will Richardson. See, when people think about futures, I can be an example of this too, where I might look at a player from last season and not really like his game, but at the same time, those players, at least the guys with the most amount of potential, typically improve. So Will Richardson, you would expect to take a step, and then you get Harmon, like you mentioned, the backcourt. And then you get Jacob Young to go along with it. Like those are three really solid ball handlers. And didn't we not see Harmon in the tournament when Oklahoma lost to, right, but Harmon didn't play in either of those games. No. So no. there, I mean, Oregon is really loaded in the backcourt and Kepnag, I really like um, from an athleticism standpoint As he should grow uh, his offensive game. So one thing people really have to take into consideration, I agree with Tom's point to an extent, but a lot of these guys are going to take a, another step and if reed wants to fire on a 45 to one i don't hate it
3: this is more price than anything and again like the ucla 12 to 1 versus 45 to 1 those teams are much closer than those numbers appear right this looks like just a bad number to me as i was scrolling through the futures that one really jumped off the page and yeah when i get to jersey i'm probably going to fire on a future just
2: well, where where, uh, where is this because i'm going to jersey next week and uh I I got a whole lot of money to burn, baby. I think you're talking into <laughs> this. Well, what, 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 Where are we, 45 to 1? DraftKings has a 45 to 1.
1: Okay. If people <laughs> remember from our from our uh, John Rostein College basketball podcast from a couple months ago, Tom lives in where in, in New York?
2: Upstate New York, like past, like between Albany and Syracuse in the middle of nowhere.
1: So how far are you
2: from a, from a legal sports book? Um, a couple hours. I'll, I'll cross the Jersey line in a couple. We're going on vacation to the Jersey shore. And, uh, you guys will like this. I, uh, I convinced my wife to leave a day early so we could stop in Atlantic city. And I told her I needed to look at different sports books for work. Um, just in case you don't know what I do for work, I don't have to look at any sports books. Um, I'm, I'm literally, when you hear reports of a guy in Atlantic city, walking around with a bag of money, that guy is me. I'm, I'm bringing a bag of money and I'm going to bet stuff in New Jersey. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it, and apparently, 150 dollars of that money is going to be on Oregon <laughs> to win the national championship. Trying
1: to uh, still find those 300 dollars or however much you spent on the St. Louis Billikins futures ticket, huh?
2: Yeah, that 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 one. That, but again, you know the. The last year was tough, I think with COVID, but uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting teams, you know, like uh, you mentioned Walker Kessler. I like Auburn, you know, Arkansas was a team that got a bunch of transfers early on. I think it's going to be tough. I like your Kansas call. There's some value there. I think Kansas, I think is one of the teams, even though they don't have high odds, I think are a little bit undervalued because I think they're going to be really, really good this year. So before we bring in the aforementioned John
1: Rothstein on the podcast, I'm going to talk college hoops for about 15 minutes with John. I want to hit on the Big Ten because we all have takes on the Big Ten. And it's probably the most, the strongest argument that's going to come out of this podcast besides Reed's Oregon future. So Illinois gets Kofi Coburn back. Uh, the Illini are plus 1400 to win it all. And you can make the case that if, if someone said to me, I-, I like Illinois to win the Big Ten, I, I wouldn't, I-, I disagree with it, but I think you can make the case for it, especially with of the talent that they're bringing back. And we talk about players taking the next step. Andre Curbelo should be really good next year. Their lead guard, and he played really well when Desumu was hurt last season. So you look at Illinois, you look at Michigan, you look at Purdue, a team that I'm, I'm high on, I have a future on. If you guys had to put the one two three order for the Big Ten for next season, early predictions, Illinois, Michigan, and Purdue, what order would you go with? I'd go Michigan, Purdue, Illinois. Great. Same here. So we're still hating on my Purdue futures, or at least you're not not sold enough to say number one of the big time.
2: No, I'm, uh, I'm I'm big on Michigan this year. That's my that's my team. I think is going to win it all. Um, and I listen, I do think Purdue is going to be really, really good. I, I I think to me, I thought the Big Ten was a little bit overrated last year. Um, you know, I think people kept trying to make Iowa into something people like me kept waiting into for Wisconsin to wake up and they never did, you know, but this year to me, I, I think the Big Ten is going to be strong with two really legitimate title contenders in Purdue and Michigan.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And when you, when we talk about players taking that next step, Jaden Ivey to me is going to be one of the best players in college basketball next season. We saw what Zach Eady did for team USA. I think for u 19, he was a monster. He was averaging a double, double. So for Purdue to get Travion Williams back to have those two guys taking a, take a big step, you have a reliable backcourt, Eric Hunter at the point guard position they're bringing everybody back. So I mentioned teams like that have won the title over the past couple of years, Baylor, Virginia, from a chemistry standpoint, there's not going to be an issue. The question is, are those guys like Ivy and Edie going to take that next step and Purdue plus 1300, I don't see a ton of value in, if you could find maybe a 16, but I got it at 25 to one. I was putting that out there a lot over the last couple months before this price dip, before Travion Williams came back. So it's Michigan's going to be good. The question is Hunter Dickinson should take a step from a chemistry standpoint. You're getting Devante Jones out of coastal Carolina, the redshirt junior. How good is that mid major to high major transfer level jump? We saw Mike Smith do it at the point guard spot for Michigan last year, and they're bringing other guys back like Eli Brooks and Brandon Johns, but Jones is probably the big question mark for me for Michigan.
2: Real quickly, I just wanted to point out that one thing about the Big Ten that I thought John Rothstein's best point other than his uh, recommendation for chicken parm pizza in New York was the bottom teams in the Big Ten look a lot better this year. You know, he, he talked about Nebraska. He talked about Northwestern and some teams that could surprise. So, you know, I think that kind of better competition towards the bottom is going to help those schools in the in NCAA tournament this year.
1: Reed?
3: Yeah, I mean, Michigan, they got a, a the number one recruiting class coming in, if I'm not mistaken. So that's one thing. And Eli Brooks, especially during that tournament run, his value, he was arguably the most important player on that Michigan team. He was really the straw that made uh, that stirred the drink there. So he's coming back some veteran presence in the backcourt. I like Michigan a lot. Illinois. No, thanks. I that's that was the team. That was their team last year. And they kind of. Yeah. They kind of blew it there. I don't really love what they did in the offseason. I get they're bringing back Frazier, uh, Kofi, and Cobello, but I don't know. I just don't see it without Io. And listen, Purdue's going to be good, but it's now, I now officially need to be completely against Purdue because you are so in Purdue. I have to be completely against them.
1: I respect that. And one quick note (laughs) on on Illinois losing Adam Miller is a big loss. Mention that to LSU. You're losing a, a perimeter shooter, and Frazier could shoot, yes. Curbelo might develop a jump shot, but to have, he started pretty much the entire season for Illinois, at least once they started making their run in the big towns, that is a, a big loss from a shooting perspective for the Illini. Coming up next, we're going to keep talking college basketball, obviously. And John Rostein from CBS Sports, he's coming up next on BetQLU.
3: Odyssey is here, cheering on your teams right alongside you. Sometimes that's your favorite team, and sometimes it's the rival team. But you bet them to win. Let BetQL's expert analysis lead you to more cheering and more winning. BetQL looks at every game and every potential bet and ranks them on a scale of one to five stars. Their five-star bets are your most profitable opportunities and have shown real proof. Proven results. Get better at betting. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com.
1: BetQL, an Odyssey company. Back here on BetQLU, and it's our pleasure to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, except he was on our podcast uh, a couple months ago, John Rostein at John Rostein on Twitter, the college basketball guru insider for CBS Sports. How are we doing today, John?
0: Never better, man. I'm like Stallone and Rambo too, day by day.
1: I respect that. And I also respect your chicken parm pizza recommendation. Cause when I was in New York a couple months ago, got that, it was phenomenal. What's the next best restaurant or maybe the best restaurant you've been to over the last couple months that we all have to check out?
0: You know, it's funny that you brought that up because last Sunday I did pasta Sunday, a quality Italian and I wound up there really by chance, but I went, I had the chicken parm pizza, but I had never really done a deep dive into the pasta selection at Quality Italian, and they had a pesto maldini and an amatriciana that was really, really good. So everybody knows about the chicken parm pizza, but the quality Italian pasta, not to be minimized. Maybe Tom and Reed will uh, go spend a vacation together next weekend and get
1: some chicken parm pizza. But most importantly, John, we have college basketball to talk about. And the big news coming out of Texas last week was Marcus Carr committing to Texas transferring from Minnesota. They got a ton of transfers in the offseason. Timmy Allen from Utah, Christian Bishop from Creighton to from Vanderbilt, Trey Mitchell, who reads really uh, high on from UMass. When you think about the big 12 and we were all kind of hitting on this with, with Chris Beard. Yes. The pieces are there. Number one, will it work yeah. from the chemistry standpoint, especially defensively? And then can they live up to a team like Kansas that already has chemistry in place besides a Remy Martin?
0: Well, and that's why I give the nod early on as I'm forecasting my rankings. Now, look, there's not a great disparity. I have Kansas slated at number four right now in my Rothstein 45 and Texas at five. But people need to remember this. And I know you guys know this returning personnel always usurps incoming personnel in college basketball. So if you look at the chemical makeup of Kansas's projected starting lineup, You've got Christian Brown, you've got David McCormick, you've got Ochagbaje, and you've got Jalen Wilson, four guys that are obviously already in the program. And then they're going to add Remy Martin to that projected starting lineup. So 80% of the projected starting lineup for Kansas was already in the program. Then you add somebody who's averaged over 19 points a game for two straight years back-to-back on the Pac-12. That is why you have Kansas the slightest of edges over Texas, who again has depth on top of depth and has ripped through the transfer portal like a chainsaw through butter, but the chemistry is still in question.
2: John, and not only are they bringing in a lot of new players, they're bringing in a new coach. It's a good one in Chris Beard, but when you're analyzing these teams, is this something you could see where Texas maybe starts the year off a little slowly, then reaches their peak around January, February?
0: Well, they're going to have to go to Gonzaga in November. So that's obviously going to be, you know, an early difficult test. They're going to have to go to the kennel and play the team that I have as the number one team in the country, but teams are always going to be better late than they are early unless something changes and, you know, things get off the rails. But I think when you look at this Texas team, you know, you have really an embarrassment of riches from a depth perspective, but You also need to understand, you know, I think what the dynamics are going to be when you talk about putting a roster together. If right now you are asking me to project the starting lineup for Texas, I would say Marcus Carr, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, Timmy Allen, who was obviously a big producer at Utah, and then Trey Mitchell at the five. Now, that means that Christian Bishop, who started on a Sweet 16 team, Dylan DeSue, who was obviously a high-level contributor at Vanderbilt and also Devin Askew are going to be coming off the bench Devin Askew of course was recruited to play at Kentucky where he transferred from that is not an easy situation to manage then you also have Jace Febris reliable college veteran knockdown shooter somebody who else is going to come off the bench But what about Brock Cunningham, the Ken Shamrock of the Big 12, who plays basketball like he's operating in an octagon? He's obviously going to have his role minimized because you brought in so many forwards. And then you have Jalen Tyson, a top 50 recruit, who obviously was hoping to play immediate minutes. So the talent is there. The depth is there. The rhythm and the chemistry for Texas right now, that's a wait and see process.
3: So John, you hit on returning production being more important than injecting transfers into the, into the roster. Who is a team that maybe struggled last season? Maybe they make the tournament, but is bringing back so much talent
0: that you're expecting them maybe to make a jump this season. Well, I think, you know, we have to look at the way college basketball is now in terms of having the access to the transfer portal that teams do and being in a situation to automatically for all intents and purposes, get better via transfer I think you know there's a lot of different ways to upgrade I don't think we're going to see so many teams anymore in my opinion be in a scenario where they're going to go from you know the team that they had last year keep everybody and then have the same team next year I don't think you know that we're going to see that with the day and age of the transfer portal a couple of teams that I think again were pretty much kept intact and may have made, you know, an oil change here or there, rotated some tires and been teams that I think, you know, that are going to see things on an uptick are Washington State and Nevada. Washington State, to me, has a chance to be in the top four or five of the Pac-12 this year. Noah Williams... Uh, dynamic guard Effio Begidi, a very very underrated big man. They've also done well in the transfer portal by adding, you know, Michael Flowers from South Alabama, and then Nevada has, I think, a dark horse candidate in an, for an All-American at the guard spot in Grant Sherfield, the Wichita State transfer who was sensational towards the end of last season. If you're looking right now at under the radar perimeters, you've got to look at Nevada's combination of Grant Sherfield and Desmond Cambridge, and remember. Will Baker, former top 50 recruit from Texas, will be eligible next year for Nevada. And you mentioned Nevada. So let's stay in that conference because everybody's talking
1: about Colorado State. Nico Medved, one of the better coaches in college basketball, one of the most underrated coaches in the sport. They just got a, a really good transfer to go along with pretty much everybody coming back. How would you handicap the Mountain West, especially with a team that's getting hyped up like Colorado State?
0: Well, I mean, Colorado State's going to bring five starters back from a 21 team. I know that. I expect that. But uh, when you look, for all intents and purposes, at you know, the way teams were playing towards the end of last season, I think Nevada is a team that looked like it was more on an upward tick. And then you know, you got to you know, look at this from a circumstance standpoint. You know, The best player, if we're looking at those two rosters, is Grant Sherfield. And I think also, you not just have a running mate in Desmond Cambridge, you have, as I mentioned, Will Baker, a transfer from Texas, but you also have Warren Washington, who was very productive, a guy who started his career at Oregon State in the post. So I'm not so sure that Colorado State is a lock at the top of the Mountain West. I think it's going to be, if I had to, you know, seed them right now, I would probably have... Colorado State and Nevada one and two but if you're asking me right now who is my preseason player of the year in the Mountain West it's Grant Sherfield seven days a week or twice on Sunday
2: John, I want to talk about a conference I like this year in the SEC. You know, I like Arkansas. I like Auburn. But the last time you were on, you spoke about Mississippi State. You had a gleam in your eye. I mean, you you really like that team. It sounded like they had Tyson Walker. And I saw on Twitter you said, watch out, Mississippi could be a sleeper there. Talk. Yeah. This seems like a, a really deep conference to me. Talk about um, the SEC and, and what you're seeing there.
0: I don't think any conference in college basketball – did more for itself via the transfer portal than the SEC. I think right now the SEC has a chance to be a seven to eight bid league in 2022. And let's go through it, guys. Obviously, you know, people are going to want to talk about Kentucky and what they've added. But I want to bring this up you know, to people as well. Kentucky added a very good point guard in Xavier Wheeler, a player in Kellen Grady, who obviously was very productive at Davidson. Oscar Shebway, you know, from West Virginia. Ty Ty Washington, very, very talented freshman point guard. But if you're looking right now from a player-by-player comparison, let's look at what the other teams in the SEC added. You've got a scenario where LSU added Xavier Pinson started on an NCAA tournament team last year at point guard. Also added Adam Miller, a starter as a one seed for Illinois, and also Tari Eason, good player, very underrated player at Cincinnati, and Efton Reed, and they bring back Darius Days. We've touched on what Mississippi State has added. Alabama's going to bring back Quinterly and Shackelford on the perimeter and pair them with J.V. Davison, and also added a very under mid major, under the radar mid major player in Noah Gurley. Arkansas Eric Musselman, the importer, as he's well known throughout the social media circles, has added Chris Likes, Audis, Tony, and Stanley Umude from you know South Dakota. So everybody is getting better through the portal. Auburn adds Walker Kessler. I mean, you're seeing, you know, everybody in the SEC, you know, getting a piece of it. So I think when you look at that makeup, the top seventeens in the conference, in my opinion are all very close together. I would put Florida eight, and we're still obviously waiting word to see whether or not Keontae Johnson will be ready for the start of the season. And then, you know, talking to the well-embedded moles that I have in Oxford, Mississippi, you know, I know that Kermit Davis privately feels that this will be his best team at all Miss. And guys, I look at this team, and they've solidified, you know, their front line, again, via the transfer portal. Jamin Brakefield, obviously a very good player at Duke, had flashes at Duke, I think as a freshman, probably didn't have as big of a role as he hoped for. He comes in and they also get Nasir Brooks, talented veteran, who again, feels like he's been in college for a hundred years because he was on so many of those very tough teams at Cincinnati under Mick Cronin, then went to Miami. So I look right now at the top eight or nine teams in this conference as all being very competitive. I think the top seven are really, really close. And, you know, if you want to have a lot of teams in the NCAA tournament, and we've seen this in past years, you need to have your bottom two, three, four teams be significantly worse than the teams at the top because we saw it last year in the Big Ten. We've seen it throughout, you know, time. We saw it with the ACC, if you guys remember, in the 16-17 season. If you have really capable teams at the bottom, that means the bottom is capable of eating the middle. And that's going to mean less teams in the NCAA tournament. Remember, in sixteen seventeen, NC State had the ninth pick in the draft in Dennis Smith. That team won a game against Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium, but still finished fourteenth in the ACC.
3: Yeah, and John, so I'm a big I'm a Big Ten guy. I went to Wisconsin. We haven't hit on them really yet. It seems like there's a top three building with Michigan, Illinois, Purdue. Which of those middle teams? And I don't think it's going to be Wisconsin. But which of those middle teams are? kind of shaping up that you think could surprise some teams. You
0: know, it's interesting. You look at the makeup of the big 10 and you hit the nail right on the head. You got three teams above the rest. You got Purdue, Michigan, Illinois. If you're asking me to forecast after that four through eight, I would probably say Ohio state, Maryland, Michigan state, Indiana, Rutgers. And then the league gets a little interesting. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you start looking at the big 10. And again, based on respect, based on history and tradition, 9 and 10 would be Wisconsin and Iowa. But with that said, this doesn't, to me, look like, you know, the Wisconsin and the Iowas that we've seen in the past couple of years. So I think this, I expect Minnesota and Penn State under first year head coaches, to, you know, to probably be slotted in at 13th and 14th. But there's two other programs in the Big Ten you have to keep an eye on. One is Northwestern. The other is Nebraska. Nebraska. Those two programs have an unbelievable opportunity to make a jump in the Big Ten and finish in the top ten of the conference. Northwestern, we remember, started 3-0 and last year in league play, beat Ohio State, beat Michigan State. You look at their perimeter. It's back intact. Okay? You've got Chase Audeech. You've got Boo Bowie. You've got a potential under-the-radar breakout guy in Ty Berry. And then up front... There's still Robbie Barron. There's still Ryan Young. There's still Pete Nance. The window of opportunity is there for Northwestern. And then, guys, I think when you look at Nebraska right now, in terms of perimeters in the Big Ten, with Bryce McGowan's a five-star prospect, with Trey McGowan's a utility player who fills the box score, and with Arizona State transfer Alonzo Verge, who falls out of bed and gets 18 points, I see a potential legion of doom forming on the perimeter for Nebraska, the type of legion of doom that would make Vince McMahon envious in the mid 1990s.
1: So if Nebraska has a hot start to the season, they're winning some games. What's going to be kind of your phrase for the Cornhuskers?
0: Well, that, that's to be determined. Eli, I can't speak too soon in July, but let's just say that I have people in the lab working on it right now, but Nebraska's perimeter Verge, McGowan's, McGowan's is without question capable of getting 45 to 50 points every time it steps on the floor. It would not shock me to see Alonzo Verge to be one of the leaders in the Big Ten in points next season. It's a good, good nugget for people if you're looking
1: to handicap Nebraska basketball going into next season. I would also like to note that on John's website, College Hoops Today, he has Purdue as the number one Big Ten team just for Tom and Reed Sig, my Boilermakers, sitting number one at the Big Ten. But I, I want to move over to the Big East Conference, John, because yeah, everyone wants to talk about Villanova. They're bringing everybody back. We talk about chemistry. <laughs> one team I'm always high on, though, and I get suckered into them, a couple of years ago with Najee Marshall, it didn't yeah. work out, was, was Xavier. But they're bringing back Scruggs. Fremantle is in, one of the most underrated bigs to me in college basketball. Two Nung- all
0: conference players.
1: Right. You're getting Nungi from Iowa. How good can this Xavier team be, maybe just in terms of the underrated teams across the, across the high major programs?
0: Look, the time is now. I mean, Xavier is a program, you know, going back from Bob Stack to Pete Gillen to Skip Prosser, may he rest in peace, you know, to Thad Mata, to Sean Miller, to Chris Mack. Xavier has always been a perennial NCAA tournament program. They haven't gone under Travis Steele. And you look at the makeup of this team, there's experience. They've got Kai Kai Tandy back. They've got shooting that they added with Jerome Hunter from Indiana. And you're exactly right. I think Jack Nunji is another guy that's an under-the-radar, you know, Im- impact transfer. The guy, you know, was really, really good in spurts for Iowa. And I think they've added shooting as well. I mentioned Jerome Hunter. But now you're going to add Jerome Hunter to Tandy, to Nate Johnson, who was a laser from deep he was so accurate last year the time is now for Xavier to finish in the top four in the Big East and make the NCAA tournament there's no more
2: excuses. Uh, John my final question for you is about Duke I mean obviously Coach K is in the swan song here coming off a very disappointing season are we going to see Duke return to old Duke or is this a program starting to flatline a little bit?
0: You know, I feel very, very confident that Duke's going to challenge for an ACC regular season title this year. And if you're good enough to challenge for an ACC regular season title, you're going to be a high seed in the NCAA tournament. I would expect Duke to be a top 12 seed in the NCAA tournament and to have just one of the more staggering combinations up front that we're going to see in college basketball. We started to get a glimpse of Mark Williams last year, late in the year, and to combine that... With Paolo Banchero, it's going to be a nightmare for opponents. So I expect Duke to give Coach K, obviously, a phenomenal final season. I expect Duke to be in contention for the ACC regular season title, as expected, and be in a scenario where I would be shocked that Duke is not a three seed or higher in the NCAA tournament. All right, and that's a good uh, ending
1: point for us with John Rostein, even though we're all Coach K haters here from a betting standpoint <laughs> on the show. You can follow John Rostein on Twitter, at John Rostein, of course, from CBS Sports, College Hoops Today, the podcast, the site. Check out all of his rankings and all of his latest pieces heading into the college basketball season. Really appreciate the time today, John, and I uh, hope to
0: have you back on sometime soon. Remember, guys, if you hate college basketball, you hate fun. All the audio that matters to you is on Odyssey. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep
3: up with your favorite teams from across the country, and get the inside scoop from experts like Boomer Esiason, Jim Rome, and Tiki Barber. Odyssey brings you all the sports talk, interviews, game coverage, betting tips, and podcasts from the top personalities in sports like Mike Lombardi, John Heyman, and Nick Costos. A U D A C Y. Find all the sports that matter to you in a universe
2: of audio. Odyssey.
1: So that was John Rostein of. CBS Sports, College Hoops Today, the podcast, the website, check it out. Guys, we'll probably do another podcast coming up in August. Maybe a coach will come on. But either way, it's been fun talking uh, all the major news, all the major transfers, Texas, Kansas, the SEC, the Big Ten. John, again, just want to make it clear, has Purdue as the number one team in the Big Ten heading into next season.
2: Yeah, and if there's one takeaway from our summer podcast for me, it's that Nebraska will make the NCAA tournament. Rothstein has convinced me and he's twice in a row. He's been all over the Cornhuskers as a team in the Big Ten to watch. So I am all in on Nebraska. Reed's got me in on Oregon. I'm ready to go to the Jersey Shore and start laying down some money.
3: Yeah, and Eli, just because Purdue is number one preseason, when March comes around, Purdue, I don't know if you could trust them to be the number one team in the Big Ten. So we'll see. We'll see. You can have the preseason ranking. We'll see what happens in March.
1: Say that to Scott Drew and say that to Tony <laughs> Battit, my friend. I-, I will say, my one of my old chiropractors. Um, used to play basketball with Alonjo Verge. So if there's any reason to take Nebraska to make the NCAA tournament as a proper next season, I think it's that for, for Top Casale at the top Casali on Twitter at Reed Wallach, myself at Eli Erzkovic, and for John Rostein. Thanks for checking out the back to podcast, subscribe rate and review on iTunes and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts.